0: tomorrow
1: hello police headquarters please
0: hello
1: this is mrs hello what do you want please what i called you who is this sergeant riley Well, there isn't any sergeant riley here oh, wait a minute you better talk to my mother
0: why don't you look this is not a police station what was that you said oh my father should hear
1: this hello who is this yeah but she just told you that oh you're the police so he's the police oh well that's different what can i do for you i can do what where oh no i wouldn't like that neither would my daughter Sergeant never traces that call.
0: You like to play games. You must remember
2: a,
1: a kiss is just a kiss. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks in the mine. He is looking at you. Keith. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.
3: You're winning, sir. Oh, thank
1: you very much. If you don't mind, you fill in the names. That'll make it even more efficient. You think of everything, don't you? And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor
0: Laszlo. But, why my name, Richard?
1: Because you're getting on that plane. I
0: don't understand. What about
1: you? I'm staying here with him until the plane gets safely away. No,
0: Richard. No. What has happened to you last night? Last <laughs> night
1: we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing: you're getting on that plane with Victor, where you belong. You're Richard, right. no. I'm, now I'm... you've got to listen to me. You have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp, isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid Major Strasser would insist.
0: You're saying this only to make me go. I'm
1: saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life.
0: But what about us?
1: We'll always have Paris. we didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. I got it back last night. When I
0: said I would never leave you.
1: And you never will. I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. No, no. Here's looking at you, kid.
4: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. If you don't know who that was, shame on you. He was, he still is, probably one of the most infamous, I shouldn't say infamous, oh, iconic movie stars. And his death further cemented, you know what happens is when someone of that magnitude dies the myth, the legend of them begins. Same thing happened with John Lennon. Same thing happened with James Dean. So what happened on January 14th, 1957 was Humphrey Bogart died of cancer, leaving his very young widow, Lauren Bacall, and their two children, Stephen and Leslie Bogart. It was the end of an era because he was one of the most beloved, feared, oh yeah, people feared him, iconic, I mean, imitated movie stars of the 20th century. So much so that in 1999, the American Film Institute named Humphrey Bogart as the number one male icon of the 20th century. And Katharine Hepburn was the number one female screen icon and they had both they worked together once they worked together in uh, the African Queen and that was where he won his only Academy Award born December 25th 1899 Humphrey DeForest Bogart served in the Navy, and then that lisp, you know, uh, Bogart, Bogart was one of the, I mean, there were tough guys, but then there was Bogart, there was Bogart and Cagney and, whoa, Bogart, you know, before Robert Mitchum and before Marlon Brando, and before all of them, there was Humphrey Bogart and Humphrey Bogart just, I mean, sizzled on the screen, Casablanca turns 80 this year it is still probably one of his most iconic films. Uh, that and also Treasure Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and the films that he did with his wife Lauren Bacall. There has there's much there's a lot been, there's a lot <laughs> there's much there has much there has been a lot said about Humphrey Bogart. His career spanned over 30 years. 75 films. One Academy Award. The adulation of his peers. And those those lines, I mean... I, I love the Bogart and Bacall films. I really do. And the films that he did with John Huston. John Huston, who a former actor himself saw himself in Humphrey Bogart's performances John Huston according to his daughter Angelica Huston didn't particularly like actors, didn't think much of actors but he loved Humphrey Bogart and they collaborated on many films from High Sierra The Maltese Falcon hmm To Key Largo. Uh, Key, Key Largo probably is one of my favorites in the Bogart and Bacall canon. And then, um, was it In a Lonely Place directed? No, he didn't. Oh, you know, Bogart did so many films. He did film noir, he did epics, he did The Cane Mutiny. I mean, his final roles. Nobody knew that he was sick. Only him and his family knew and and, and he knew very little to the, to an extent of how sick he really was. He was a smoker. And back then, you know, they didn't we didn't know what we know now. Hmm. But it was on this day that he died. In fact, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy were the last of the friends to see him alive. That's what Laura McCall has said. What a, what a long, long career. But maybe for some not long enough. Betty White had an 80-year career and Humphrey Bogart had a 30-year career. And when these... I and he truly was an icon but that that mythology I've talked about this with people a mythology really doesn't happen until you're dead and and the legend of Humphrey Bogart in films like Treasure of the Sierra Madre which is such a oh my goodness we've got Walter Houston I mean this this is such a such a powerful film. There's a lot going on. Bogart loved working with, with John Huston. And how could you not? John Huston and, and Humphrey Bogart, they were, they were buddies. And it was beautiful that... And like Scorsese and like many other directors... Who have an actor that they work with many times is that John Houston could say to Humphrey Bogart, you know. And and John Houston had that great voice. You know Humphrey, I'm working on a film especially for you. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you know, Humphrey, I can't do Humphrey Bogart's voice. I mean, hum- Humphrey Bogart was first of all there was nobody else like him. And you know, he started out as a bit player. Back then a bit player was someone like a su- you know, the supporting guy and like like really great actors he worked his way up he played a lot of villains he played a really great villain in uh the petrified forest with betty davis uh, you know both 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 the uh kings and queens of uh warner brothers and then he also played like a i think a stable hand in dark victory you know this is uh here we go. Petrified forest.
2: That's worth $5,000. Well, let me tell you something. You're a forgetful old fool. Any woman's worth everything that any man has to give anguish, ecstasy, faith, jealousy, love, hatred, life or death. Don't you see that's the whole excuse for our existence? It's what makes the whole thing possible and tolerable. Yeah, when you get to my age, you'll learn better sense.
0: Did you hear that?
2: Yes, I heard. That lovely girl, that granddaughter of yours, do you know what she is? No, you haven't the remotest idea. Well, what is she? She's the future. She's the renewal of vitality and courage and aspiration. All the strength that's gone out of you. I don't know what she is, but I know she's essential to me and the whole godforsaken country and the whole miserable world. And please, Mrs. Chisholm, don't look at me quizzically. I know how I sound. I was wondering if you really believe all that i mean about women of course i do there's a man who agrees with me
1: don't you duke i don't know pal i wasn't listening
2: all right then let me speak for you he could have been across the border by now it's safe but he prefers to remain here do you know why why because he has a rendezvous here with a girl isn't that true duke Yes,
1: pal, that's it. I guess we're all a lot of saps, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was the champion. Did you think I was kidding when I said I'd be glad to knock you off?
2: I hope neither of us was kidding. Did you think I was?
1: I just wanted to make sure. You're all right, pal. You got good ideas. I'll try to fix it so that it don't hurt. Well, you're you're all right too, Duke.
2: I'd like to meet you again. Someday. Maybe
4: it'll be soon.
2: You know, this frightful place has suddenly become quite cozy.
4: And so Humphrey Bogart really was a bit player. If you think of those lines, those aren't the lines that he you know would later say you know the stuff that dreams are made of or here's looking at you kid he was still on the threshold of becoming this this icon and even the term icon i don't even think when he was alive people referred to him as an icon you know now people refer to living people as icons but Even Lauren Bacall, someone once said, you know, of her co-star, Nicole Kidman, well, you know, she's a legend. And Lauren Bacall stopped her and said, no, she's a baby. She's a beginner. You don't become a legend until you're really, really old or dead. And she knew that all too well because she was the custodian of Humphrey Bogart. She put her own career on the back burner because Bogart had been married to actresses before, and he said, "I want you home, but we'll, you can do films." Some would see that as wrong, but that's what she wanted. That was the compromise, and he he gave her a career and he gave her a life, and she gave him a career, you know, a life. I I mean, up until that point, Humphrey Bogart hadn't had children. But whenever people years, you know, years after his death, would always the first thing they're going to ask is Humphrey Bogart, and that didn't bother Lauren Bacall because she said, you know, nobody could have lived it better the way they lived it. They were made for each other, basically. Even Betty Davis said that. Betty Davis said Bacall was perfect for Bogart because she matched his insolence. Isn't that something to say? So throughout the nineteen thirties, Bogart worked his way up. We're gonna get to what happened after he died, because after he died, I mean, that that truly really is a sad situation. The film community itself. Two years earlier, they had lost James Dean, and here was this—I, I mean, this, this—every everything that he did, even some of the bad films, and here he is working his way up in the roaring twenties with none other than James Cagney.
1: We got Uncle Sam working for us. Yeah, the government takes it from Nick Brown and we take it from the government. Pretty neat, huh? Oh, look, Danny, uh, you go outside and watch. Uh, there may be some trouble around here. I don't want you Fine, I afraid. I don't care if you are or not. You weren't cut out for this racket. Now, go on, do as you told. Get outside.
2: about 4,000 cases. Yeah, Eddie, the relief watchman just came up. Now look, get those trucks moving and stay with them. All right, boys, watch it up. Get in the trucks, get
1: ready to move. my old sergeant. Come on, George, tap me again. Let's get out of here. That sergeant Leatherlung's our old pal. I told you that we'd meet up sometime and you didn't have no spikes on your sleeve. And here we are. You didn't have to do that. He had it
4: coming to him. And so in those early gangster films, these were. this is 1939, and Cagney was known for that. That he would play these tough characters. Also funny. And here he is with Humphrey Bogart, who himself is on the threshold of becoming internationally well known. And he worked his way up. And and you know, he did many, many films. And he also did, you know, The Petrified Forest and Dark Victory with the Queen of Warner Brothers, Miss Betty Davis. In fact. Bogart even said Betty Davis scared him because she she didn't she didn't fuck around he didn't say that but in a way that's what I think they were insinuating is Betty Betty was about the work and she led a very kind of sad life toward the end because she said your work is more important than love that that's saying something about yourself and here she is with Humphrey Bogart in Dark Victory she did
1: Oh, it was touch and go for a while it's more touch than go now Whew. I actually said a prayer it's a game though put up a brave fight are oh, you are cold? Yeah, I have a fire in the tack room Miss Judith would you like to go in and warm yourself?
4: why
1: not? something about the way you ride that puts my heart in my mouth you mind if I say something to you Miss Judith? of
0: course not I asked you to
1: talk, didn't I? Well, I think you've been going too hard lately, night and day. You can't do that and keep on with your jumping horses. It's terrible hard on you. I was hoping that maybe in the state of mind you were in, you wouldn't ride tonight. A silver cup isn't worth it.
0: I wanted that cup. I had to show the gentry I've still got what it takes.
1: You sure have.
4: And so in those early films, he's starting to change. He's no longer green within the films. He's still fast talking. That's what Bogart was known for was his fast paced dialogue and and staring at the camera. And barely blinking. I mean, it was like watching a wild animal. But then, 1941 happens, 81 years ago. And John Huston's first feature film starred Humphrey Bogart. And from that point on, he was Humphrey Bogart. And then Casablanca further cemented that. Here he is with Alicia, Alicia, uh, Alicia Cook, Jr.
1: I want to talk to Mr. Cairo, Joel Cairo. Oh, thanks. Where is he? What? Where is he? Who? Cairo. What do you think you're doing, Jack? Kidding me? I'll tell you when I am. New York, aren't you? Shove off. You're gonna have to talk to me before you're through, Sonny. Some of you will. And you can tell the fat man I said so. Keep asking for it and you're gonna get it. Plenty. I told you to shove off. Shove off. People lose teeth talking like that. If you want to hang around, you'll be polite.
2: Luke.
1: Hello, Sam. Hello, Luke. Say, that was too bad about Miles. Yeah, it was a tough break. I want to show you something. What do you let these cheap gunmen hang around the lobby for with their heaters bulging in their clothes? What do you want here? What well, if you don't want anything? Beat it. And don't come back. I won't forget you guys.
4: And so those were, you know, that's those are the moments that a star is born. I've already played... The stuff that dreams are made of, because I wanted to dive into, and I and I've talked about him and Bacall before, but how magical is that? I don't get, to, I really don't get tired of watching them on screen. Every time they're on screen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the film. I am just so, I'm so taken by their performances together.
0: Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Most of the time. The other times... The other times you're just a stinker.
1: What'd you do that for? I've
0: been wondering whether I'd like it.
1: What's the decision?
0: out of my lips I don't see any difference oh I do okay you know you don't have to act with me Steve you don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything not a
4: in 1944 To Have and To Have Not written by Ernest Hemingway directed by Howard Hawks and so this this love affair began and further cemented with Dark Passage and The Big Sleep and then of course Key Largo Key Largo was the last the last they were going to do another film together right before his death and uh didn't happen it didn't happen but oh my goodness you know we have Key Largo with so many great performances to marvel at when it comes to Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart was he was a man's man. He could also be very tender on screen. And I don't think people had seen that up until that point in The African Queen. But even in moments in Key Largo, where he is with Lauren McCall. At the same time, they're trying to outwit Edward G. Robinson... You can't really outwit Edward G. Robinson. And.
1: If he decides to stay here with us, we'd be most happy. Go on, tell Frank. Have you any folks? No. I'd be proud to have you regard us as your family.
0: Maybe that is what Frank wants.
1: Oh, I don't mean to set on here, son. Think it over. Don't give your answer right away. Hey, oh. boss!
4: Key Largo really is a really great ensemble. And in that, you also have Claire Trevor, who went on to win an Oscar. I I love the whole film. Um, Now, I was talking about what we're going to do is we're going to kind of no, Well, I don't want to. You know what? Fuck it. I, I don't want to ignore Treasure Sierra Madre, because it's so iconic that it's such a, oh, it's it's such a moment. To, it's a swaggy, a to help my Lord, and cross my heart, find
1: resolution. <clears throat> After months of sweating yourself dizzy and growing short on provisions and finding nothing, you finally come down to 15000 and 10. Finally, you say, Lord, let me just find $5,000 worth. and never ask for anything more the rest of my life. <clears throat> $5,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, hearing this joint seems like a lot, but I tell you, if it was to make a real strike, you couldn't be dragged away. Not even a threat of miserable death would keep you from trying to add 10,000 more. 10, you'd want to get 25, 25, you'd want to get 50, 50, 100, like roulette. One more turn, you know, always one more. <laughs> it wouldn't be that way with me. I swear it wouldn't. I take only what I set out to get. Even if there's still a half a million dollars worth lying around waiting to be picked up. I've dug in Alaska and Canada and Colorado. I was with the crowd in the British Honduras where it made my fare back home and almost enough over to cure me of the fever, Redcott. Done in California and Australia, all over the world practically. Yeah, I know what gold does to men's souls. You talk as though you struck it rich sometime or other, Pop. How about it? And what are you doing in here? Down and outer. That's the gold. That's what it makes
0: for us. Never knew
1: a prospector yet that died rich. Make one
4: fortune. And so that is Walter Houston with Humphrey Bogart. And I want I want to give a shout out to my Canadian friends because you know Walter Houston was from Canada. A lot of early Hollywood, the actors came from Canada. You've got Marie Dressler, Christopher Plummer was from Canada. So but I want to go over to... I'm not going to talk about Sabrina because, well, I I mean, I could, I could, but what interests me is Bogart, Bogart, the man, and he did a really great film in 1950 called in the lonely place in a lonely place directed by, um, was it Nick, Nick Ray. And also co-starring Gloria Graham. It's a it's a film noir. And if we can, here we go.
1: Miss Gray. Good morning, Miss Gray.
4: And so Gloria Graham, Gloria Graham, who was also at that time an up-and-comer, did this film with Bogart, and it was, the title alone, it's it's a very, you're thinking, okay, what's going on here?
1: Why, well, you blind, knuckleheaded squirrel, don't you look where you're gone? Take it easy. Take it easy. Look at my car. I just got a new paint job. 200 bucks. I'd have drank you out of and barge and... Dick! Stop it! Stop it! Let
0: him alone.
4: And so in that instance her goal is to make sure that he doesn't get in any more trouble the
1: cars I think they own the road
0: you weren't really angry with him you've been wanting to slug somebody ever since you left the beach
1: what happened to the beach had nothing to do with it this guy asked for it About
4: like this. <sighs> and th- on the you know, on the today the day that he died really it was the end of an era. It was the end of an era. It was the end of a of a way of acting also. People people didn't really act like Humphrey Bogart. People you know, and, and the and the new guard was coming in, Bogart. His way was different, and someone like Brando was coming in and just method acting. And in 1951, he starred alongside Katherine Hepburn.: Is something the
0: matter, Mr. Ornut? Tell me. Nothing.
1: Nothing you would understand.
0: I simply can't imagine what could be the matter. It's been such a pleasant day. What is it? Yes, Mr. Olner. All this
1: foolish talk about the Louisa going down the river.
0: What do you mean?
1: I mean, we ain't gonna do nothing of the sort.
0: Of course we are. What an absurd idea.
1: What an absurd idea? What an absurd idea? Lady, you got ten absurd ideas for my one.
0: <laughs> Just why don't you want to go on, Mr. Olner?
1: The river. That's Shona. Shona? You're doing right, Shona. All
0: it takes would be one bullet in the plastic gelatin it would be a
1: little bit of pieces. Then we'll
4: go by night. Oh no, we won't. After showder there's the rapids, and nobody that might ride would tackle the rapids tonight And so obviously he's been having a lot to drink. But in those moments I mean Yeah. He was Bogart, but he was a different kind of Bogart. This was the way he was. She was tender with him, and he was tender with her. The moment with the leeches, and really wanting to make it down the river. He uh, he fa- he met his match with her character.
1: That's right, Miss. Huh. Just
4: listen to the stomach of mine. The way it sounds, like I had a hyena inside me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Bogart. So, after. A nomination for Casablanca. What happens? Oscar Day 1952. Bogart beats out Marlon Brando.
1: A very long way from uh, the heart of the Belgian Congo, to the stage of the Pantages Theatre, and I'm very glad to say that it's a little nicer here than it was there. I, uh, I just want to pay a, a slight, as a matter of fact, a very big tribute to Mr. John Houston and Miss Catherine Hepburn, uh, because they helped me to be where I am now. Thank you very much.
4: And- Lauren McCall has talked about when he won that Oscar, it was a different kind of Hollywood. It was not about television as it is now. And she said this the year that she was nominated. She'd never been nominated before and she didn't win. She, I don't think she thought she was going to win. She said, you know, something left field always comes. She later got an honorary Oscar where she said a man at last. And I wanted to highlight Bogart's final Oscar nomination. Which was for 1954's The Kane Mutiny. And how he was able to use certain props to contain the madness and to unleash it, as he did in that courtroom scene.
1: That I, I don't know what lies have been sworn to in this court, but I'd like to set you straight on this matter right here and now. A key definitely did exist. May it please the court. The witness is understandably agitated by this ordeal, and I request a recess
3: to give him a break. I don't expense. want a recess.
1: I'll answer all questions right here and now. Did you
3: conduct such a search? Yes, I did. As usual, my disloyal officers failed me and the key couldn't be found. As a matter of actual fact, wasn't this whole fuss over a quart of strawberries? The pilfering of food in large amounts of small is one of the most serious occurrences on board ship. Yes, but didn't you learn the mess boys had eaten the strawberries and that you were conducting a search for an imaginary key? I repeat, the key was not imaginary. And I don't know anything about mess boys eating strawberries. Captain, have you no recollection of a conversation with an Ensign Harding just prior to his leaving the cane? What about it? Didn't Ensign Harding tell you that the mess boys ate the strawberries? All that I remember is that he was very grateful for his transfer. His wife was ill in the States. Captain, do you know where Ensign Harding is now? I have no way of knowing. Ensign Harding is in San Diego. His wife is fully recovered. He has already been summoned and can be flown up here in three hours if necessary. Would it serve any useful purpose to have him testify?
1: No, I... I don't see any need of that. Now that I recall, he, uh, he might have said something about mess boys, and then again, he might not. I questioned so many men, and uh, Harding was not the most reliable officer.
3: I'm afraid the defense has no other recourse than to produce Ensign Harding.
1: Now, there's no need for that. I know exactly what he'll tell you, lies. He was no different from any other officer in the wardroom. They were all disloyal. I tried to run the ship properly with a book, but they fought me at every turn. If the crew wanted to walk around with their shirt tails hanging out, that's all right. Let them. Take the tow line. Defective equipment. No more, no less.
4: And so, what he has in his hand, many have said that's how he kind of contained it. He's obviously paranoid. He's agitated on the stand. And that was the cane mutiny. And I believe... I'm trying to... If it was after that, in terms of the end, he did some television with uh, Lauren Bacall, (sighs) and then if we can, if we can look at okay, so K. Mutiny came out in 1954, followed by Sabrina 1954, The Barefoot Contessa, We're No Angels. The Last Hand of God The Desperate Hours The Harder They Fall The Harder They Fall was Humphrey Bogart's last film released in 1956 a year before he died now it's been said that at that time he was sick he was sick and many you know John Houston and have all talked about Bogart and, and the end. And I thought if I could play this clip of Bogart. Taxes, How much does he
0: get? Exactly $49.07. 49 dollars
1: Gate was over a million. What is this, A gag? We don't keep funny books. We don't want to get in trouble with the government. And then your own CPA, if you can find one single wrong entry, and i will quit my job. You got these figures trained so they jump through hoops, and your lawyers have legal contracts to back up Leo's figures. I don't like talk like that, Eddie. What you can't do this. All right, Nick, you let him get beat to a pulp and then leave him with a hole in his What's wrong with you? You got your share. The man lies in the hospital with a broken jaw and he took the worst beating I ever saw in my whole life. On, and you want all. me to go back and tell him that all he gets is a lousy $49.07 for a broken jaw? Oh. How much would you take?
0: Better take it slow, Eddie.
1: Didn't have five guys in the ring with him.
4: That is... Humphrey Bogart's last film directed by Mark Robson based on the novel by Bud Schulberg Bogart and Bacall were going to do a film they were going to do costumes for it and then he was diagnosed with cancer um, yeah so here we go to really remember Bogart, this is Bogart's last. The, for me, not last, but as we honor Humphrey Bogart, I'd like to think that he is wherever he is, having a chat with his wife and widow, Lauren Bacall. will not take him long. What are you
1: going to wait a minute? Let me do the talking, Angel. I don't know yet what I'm going to tell him. It'll be pretty close to the truth. Have to send Carmen away from a lot of things. They have places for that. Maybe they can cure her, it's been done before. i will have to tell your father about Regan. I think he can take it.
0: You've forgotten one thing. Me. What's wrong with you? Nothing you can't fix.
4: The Big Sleep, directed by Howard Hawks, Bogart and Bacall. That's the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. Um, so I wanted to just pay tribute to the actor that we all still love. We I, I, he was beloved then, and then after his death, he became this this icon that we forever revere as one of the greatest everybody no matter your gender non-binary your you know your age Latino actors Asian actors British actors Black actors they all loved Humphrey Bogart Because he was tough. But he also would let that veneer strip away toward the end in his films. So as always, unpleasant dreams.